You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. I do love the dulcet tones of Steve Rabel. I love the fact that he is back on the call this week and that we are back in action. The Seahawks and the Packers from Lambeau Field. Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you from Seahawks.com to get you ready for that matchup. But first, John, last week was the bye week. You said that you wanted to sleep in a little bit. That was your big wish. That was going to make it a successful bye week. I was skeptical with three small children at home. But how did that work for you? I mean... It was okay. I got more sleep than I would on a normal weekend when we might be traveling or getting up early for stuff, but I wouldn't say I slept in. That's kind of, that doesn't really happen anymore. Well, but a little bit more sleep is good. A little more. Exactly. Yeah. I was hoping for a Seattle Kraken win on Saturday night. That did not happen in Arizona. I did, however, drink mimosas while watching football on Sunday. So 50-50, I will take that as a win on the bye week. And, John, I think the Seahawks would say that they won the bye week as well. If you consider what we have seen at practice this week and really who we have seen at practice this week, it is remarkable to me that Russell Wilson is out there. And I think it overshadows the fact that we are seeing D. Eskridge and Chris Carson return to practice as well. Exactly. In normal circumstances, getting back your starting running back who's missed four games would be a huge deal, as would getting back your top draft pick who you're expecting to be a big weapon and explosive player. But when your Hall of Fame caliber quarterback's been out a few weeks, the first games he has ever missed and he's back on that practice field, that is the big deal. Yeah, and from what we have seen, it looks like there is no throw that is off the table right now, which that's not really surprising when you think about the work that Russ would put in on a weekly basis anyway, but it looks like it did before he was hurt. Or is that just my eyes deceiving me? And I'm just optimistic about that. No, I mean, I, I think it's fair to wonder, you know, how's he going to look a month removed from surgery, throwing the ball. And, you know, we've both been out there at times this week and he has looked good as Pete Carroll said, you know, you wouldn't necessarily even know he was coming off this injury. So um, yeah, I mean, that's just such a big boost. Again, Geno Smith's done a great job, and everybody has confidence in him if he had to play. But it, look, with Russell Wilson, it's Russell Wilson, and it's going to provide a whole a boost to this whole team just to see him back out there. Well, and it's going to be a little bit different. Ethan Posick is now the center. We talked about this last week, that the Seahawks making the change from Kyle Fuller to Ethan Posick. Ethan has been battling his own injury issues, but we both agreed after that game against Jacksonville, right before the bye, the offensive line looked like they were more in sync. It looked like the communication was there. I think the plus side of this is that Ethan can maybe take a little bit off of Russell's plate. Not that Russ is ever going to say that he needs help with that, but making sure that it stays clean up front because this Green Bay Packers defense, they can get after a quarterback. They can cause some problems. And, uh, you know, Lambeau Field is not a friendly place. No, it is not. It, I mean, that defense has been good for a number of years. And they, you know, despite some key guys being out with injuries, they've been playing some of their best football in years defensively. I, I think they've held three of the last four opponents to 14 or fewer points. That That's a really good defensive team. And, you know, as you just said, that Lambeau, we'll talk about this more, but that's a tough place to play, tough place to win games. So, yeah, it, it, anything that can help that offense 
function more smoothly will be needed. In fact, let's put that into context right now. The Seahawks have lost their last nine games at Lambeau Field. That is regular season and that is playoffs. But the Seahawks aren't the only team that struggled, as Pete Carroll has pointed out. It looks like the uh, the visiting teams haven't done very well in this in this matchup in general, you know, over a long time. And, and uh, so the home home teams had the advantage and somewhere that's going to change and uh, be nice this weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's as Pete Carroll pointed out in another clip that, that didn't play there. That they're just a good team over the years is a big part of it, too. You, you've got an all time great quarterback who's been there almost two decades. And just a really good team. Kind of similar when you look at a lot of the stats about the Seahawks at home and in primetime, all that's like, well, yeah, they've thrived in those situations, but they're also just, they've been good for a long time. So that's a big part of it. But that's also a particularly difficult place to be when you get about to this time of year and later. And a lot of those Seahawks losses, three of those have been in the playoffs. A couple more were, you know, November, December games where, look, you can do everything you can to try to tune out the weather, you know, control what you can control is what Pete Carroll would say. But you can't simulate Wisconsin weather in Seattle you just can't do it so that's always going to be an advantage to that team when the weather gets bad well and I think it's also understanding the field conditions too because Mm -hmm. that field gets chewed up and yeah they've got heating coils that make sure that it's not frozen and it makes sure that the the snow doesn't stay on the ground but it is not the best surface to play on so depending on what your game plan is built around you might have to make some changes or just kind of see how it goes on game day which to your point John you cannot replicate in Seattle I will point this out that across the league this year there is no such thing as home field advantage in fact last year and this This year, road teams have the better record. Last year, that's not surprising. You didn't have fans in the stands, so you're not feeding off of that that home field kind of energy and and things like that. You want to know the exceptions to that rule this year? Did you look at this? I have not. Fill me in. Exceptions to the rule. The Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are unbeaten at home this year. So, of course. And... You mentioned the defensive numbers. That defense is sixth in the league, allowing 20 points a game, but at home, just 14 points a game. That is something the Seahawks are going to have to overcome. And we've talked about this before. I know that Pete Carroll wants a strong finish. I'd like to see a strong start in this one, too. For sure. I mean, that's when you look at kind of the common theme in a lot of these losses there, the offense has struggled to get going. And, you know, you look at the playoff loss where they they came – roaring back and almost got back into it and had a chance at the end, but they were in a big hole at halftime. And if, you know, Russell Wilson gets back and they can get that offense going early, I think that would not just obviously help keep the score close, but take some pressure off guys of look, you know, it's impossible not to know if you're a Seahawks player who's been here a long time that they haven't won there for, you know, two decades now. And it's, you know, that'll get in your head if you fall behind early. So yeah, start fast, maybe take an early lead or at least keep it really close at halftime and get guys believing that this is doable. Yeah, and as I'm looking at the Seahawks game-by-game numbers, they've actually done an okay job scoring in the third quarter. If you just look at points scored, the problem is they've been shut out in the third quarter in four games, and they just have not been able to get things going in the fourth quarter. I mean, if you can't if you can't convert points coming out of the break, it's it makes for a tough slog. I'm curious. We talked about this this week at practice when you and I were watching a little bit. What effect do you think Trey Brown has on this defense? And I know it's weird to look at a rookie in the middle of a defense that is improving over the last few weeks, but I think there's an advantage to having him out there and not having a lot of experience in the NFL. 
Yeah, I mean, first off, you just look at he's he's played really well and as has been discussed a lot. Moving DJ Reed to the right side has helped him play better. So their cornerback play overall has been better. But to your point, I, I do think when we talk about, you know, this long losing streak at Lambeau and the history there, it might actually benefit a rookie who just he doesn't know any better. He he doesn't know what it is to go lose at Lambeau. He doesn't necessarily have his I mean, I'm sure he knows his and historic place, but he doesn't have quite the experience with it and all the awe and all that. So yeah, it, it might almost benefit a rookie just coming back. Okay. It's a game. It's an opponent. Let's see what it's like. Well, and the opponent that he is going to have to stop in his position is Devonte Adams. And again, to the point of every wide receiver is going to be good to a rookie, right? I don't think that he is going to be in awe of this wide receiver, even though Pete Carroll and everybody else in the league is and should be. He's got everything you're looking for. You know, he, he's, he's got stature. He's a very competitive catcher. He, there's no ball, he, you know, he doesn't think he can catch. Great catching range, route runner. He's really good after the catch. He's excellent making guys miss and bouncing off tackles. He does, you know, just does not go down easy because he's such a great competitor. But the, the worst part of it for us is that, that the quarterback knows he's out there. <laughs> and so they keep put, putting the ball to him. And he's had, he's probably averaged 15, 16 targets, you know, a game for the, I don't know, the last three or four games he's been playing. Yeah, they, they're just going to go to him and use him. And uh, they do a great job of that. And obviously, Devontae Adams has killed the Seahawks a couple times. He's had two games with 160 more yards, including their most recent playoff meeting. So, yeah, if you know if that helps Trey Adams to not know that history and, and not have been a part of some of those big Devontae Adams games, that, that could be good for this defense. Okay, but there's a couple of other things that Pete Carroll mentioned in that. Number one is the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Number two, not mentioned in that specific clip, but what Pete talked about this week is they've also got a running game. Mm -hmm. Right. So which part of this are you going to try to shut down? Because we heard Ken Norton Jr. We heard Bobby Wagner. We heard Quandre Diggs this week say, look, you have got to take something away. And I honestly, I, I don't know what that is, John. It's tough because normally you'd say, you know, stop the run and make a team one dimensional. But if that one dimension is Aaron Rodgers thrown to Devontae Adams, I don't know if that's the dimension you want to face. That being said, if if you can get them in like second long, third and long because you are stopping the run, that does help the pass rush. It You know, you can play more dime, get more defensive backs out there to, to help cover guys. So uh, it was interesting. I, Matt LaFleur was kind of lamenting they didn't run the ball enough last week to to help Love out when he was filling in, Jordan Love at quarterback. And I was talking to the writer over at the Packers who covers them, and he he noted that generally when LaFleur has made those comments over the last few seasons, it's followed by a pretty run-heavy game. So, you know, they might come out and kind of try to establish that early, and in which case, Seahawks have played some really good run defense the last few weeks, and they need to keep that up. Well, but it's not just the one running back, right? Yeah, Here's the two. problem with that run game is that they've got a dual threat and they are racking up a lot of yards, even without making it a point of emphasis. They have five games this year where they have gone for more than 120 rushing yards. That is among the best in the NFL. And Pete Carroll knows all about a dual threat at running back. Aaron's got a, he's got a real knack about him. He can run tough. He can get small in the hole. He can, he can 
make you miss. He's really good out of the backfield. And then when he wants to take a break, here comes AJ. You know, they're loaded. And those two guys are just a fantastic duo. They're both averaging four and a half yards of carry. Uh, they're getting the ball, you know, fairly equally. It's, it's really, you know, why, you can see why they rely on going to those guys. They're just that good, and, and they've, they've really been able to have a great control of the ball offense, you know, and, and, uh, and also have the ability to explode with Devontae out there and, and all the stuff that, that uh, Aaron Rodgers can do. So Aaron Jones is really good. He's just really good. We've seen this Seahawks defense face a number of talented and kind of different styles of running backs throughout the season, but... You know, in some of these losses, a common theme has been, you know, whether it's Derrick Henry or Alexander Madison filling in for Dalvin Cook. It's when those backs have gotten going in the second half, that's where it's really been tough for the defense. So, again, saying make them one-dimensional and make Aaron Rodgers beat you, that might be, you know, you might not want to wish for that. But they, if, if the Packers are going to come out committed to the run, you got to stop those two guys. Well, and the defense has been improving over yeah, the last few weeks. We have mentioned this. One of the things that I was looking at, and I was a little bit surprised by it, I'm not going to lie, and part of this goes to the improvement that the defense has made, but when you look at plays of 20 or more yards allowed this year, the Packers defense is number five, right? And we know that the Packers defense is good if they are limiting opponents to the number of points that they have. What I didn't realize is that Seattle is even better. Seattle has limited opponents to fewer big games than the Packers have. And so if you are going to pick one thing or the other, if your run defense is solid and we're not expecting a huge weather game right now, it looks like it's going to be upper to mid thirties, maybe a little snow, but not really inclement weather. I actually think the back end of that defense has shored up enough that, okay, fine. Let Devontae try to test you out. Well, it's a. You're not buying we'll it. See. I, I can tell you. I don't not know. I, I maybe I've been scarred by the games I've seen, and that's where, to your earlier point, maybe Trey Brown hasn't been. So that's a good thing. And DJ Reed hasn't. I mean, he hasn't played against them either. At least not with the Seahawks. So yeah, but you're right. I mean, they've cleaned up a lot in the back end. A lot of these kind of big. They they weren't getting beat over the top a ton, other than one or two breakdowns. But it was the big intermediate you know, intermediate to deep over the middle where guys were just getting free in the zones. And they've cleaned that up a lot, which has been the DBs. But also, as Pete Carroll pointed out last week, the linebackers are playing a lot better in coverage, getting, you know, deeper in their drops when they need to, things like that. So it, it has been cleaned up a lot. I, this is, though, as a lot of people point out, this is kind of going to be the first, you know, assuming we see Aaron Rodgers, the first really good test since the defense started making these improvements where they're facing, you know, a top-of-the-line elite quarterback. Well, and I don't want to hammer this point home too much, but look, Aaron Rodgers is a special quarterback and he's, he's an MVP for a reason. He's been in the league this long for a reason. And Pete Carroll admits there is no signs of him slowing down. I mean, he's such an expert at, at playing the quarterback position. You know, he knows it so well. He's so instinctive. Um, he's he's really talented too, he, and he's still talented as he's ever been as far as getting the football out. He, he has a marvelous release time. It's as good as you could possibly be, and uh, it's it's worked to his advantage for years. And and he's whether he's in the pocket or whether he's on the move, it, it's always you know just been an asset. His vision, you know, seeing guys downfield, anticipating things coming open when he does when the play does break down has been a a famous part of his game. Um, and he's just smarter than ever. You know, the, the guys just keep getting smarter. They keep getting more uh, adept at, at handling situations, seeing things coming. It's, it's really hard to fool him, you know, and, and all that. So it's just, he's just as talented as a guy could be playing the position. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen it over the years. Every time these teams play each other, he's just he's so in control is kind of the phrase I've heard people use, and that's what just really stands out. He is just running that show. You know, as Quandary Diggs said, you know, it, look, it's a new offensive coordinator, new coach from earlier in his career, but a lot of it's still the same because so much of that offense is Aaron Rodgers, and it's whether it's the hard count getting guys off sides, whether it's quick snapping when guys are running off the field and getting those free plays with the 12th guy on the field, he just he has so much control over what they do on offense, and he's just so darn good at just about every facet of that position. And there's nothing that he hasn't seen. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, 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 you can't game, fool yeah. Aaron Rodgers. The other part of that is you also can't fool Bobby Wagner. And so when you talk about improved play from the linebackers and you talk about this matchup, I do think it all starts with Bobby. Bobby has seen so much football and he has faced Aaron Rodgers so many times. And just given where he is in his career, I think, and I realize it's an entire defense against an entire offense. I do think that there's a little bit of a mental chess match between those two. Oh, for sure. I mean, Bobby's a guy out there. You know, they always say, you know, middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. He's got that headset in. He's making calls. So for sure, you know, it's a lot of this game is on him to recognize, you know, the things he knows about Aaron Rodgers and that offense and the things they're trying to do and get the defense in right positions and uh, hopefully rack up a bunch more tackles and get 100 for the 10th straight year. That is unbelievable to me. And it's not just unbelievable that it's 10 straight years. It's unbelievable it's happening this early in the season. He could finish with 200 tackles at this pace. I mean, they're not even halfway through their season. Halftime of this game will be half halfway through the season. So yeah, he he could be on a 200 tackle pace by the end of this game, which is just absurd for a guy who's, he's been so great his whole career and 10 years in, he's still doing as well as ever. It's, you know, Pete Carroll keeps saying he's a, he's a hall of fame player and it's becoming more and more obvious that he's not going to have to wait long after he retires to be in Canton. Which I love. And to me, it's, he's just had this sneaky, good career. You know what I mean? Like when they first started saying Hall of Fame linebacker, it's like, yeah, I would love for that to happen. And boy, he's been such a good guy around here. And yeah, he's got the longevity, but you really start looking at what he's done. It kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. Yeah. And I think that that probably has to do with who he played with early in his career. I mean, you yeah. you consider those defenses, you know, some historically great defenses, and he was a great player and very important to those defenses. But I think he got a little overlooked because He's got Richard Sherman. He's got Earl Thomas. He's got Cam Chancellor around him. Just, you know, a, a bunch of other all-time great guys. And especially in the case of Sherman, bigger personalities who maybe dominate the spotlight. But as we've seen, just the consistency and over the year, I mean, six-time first-team All-Pro, that's all but a lock to get you in the Hall of Fame when you're getting those numbers. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's just been an amazing career and still and, going and strong. An inc- and an incredibly good guy. Yeah. If you want a guy's jersey, go get Bobby Wagner's. One it of, is. I don't know if I've made is. this point before, but one of my favorite things about Bobby Wagner is you talk to him in the locker room back when we had normal times locker room, and he's just seems like the most humble, down-to-earth guy because he is. But then there'll be the casual like, oh, well, I got to know Jamal Adams when Michael Jordan had an event in Monte Carlo. And you're like, okay, so you're not quite like us. You you hang out in Monte Carlo <laughs> with Michael Jordan and other famous athletes. But yes, in terms of just being a down-to-earth dude who doesn't let the attention get to him, he is very much that. Yeah, yeah. You mean you didn't get an invite to that event, I, John? Shockingly, I must have missed the cut. Just oh, barely, I'm sure. Shoot. The Jordan, shoot. Well, Jordan brand does not span, sponsor writers, as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can work There's on still that. still time. 
Uh, we talk about maybe Bobby Wagner being overlooked. Let's flip this conversation around. Here's a guy that I have overlooked over the course of the year, and I shouldn't have. Middle of the Packers defense, Devondre Campbell, he is among the league leaders in tackles and in solo tackles. In fact, he is right up there with Bobby Wagner in total tackles. He is one of the reasons this defense is so good. John, what do the Seahawks need to focus on? on offensively we already talked about getting off to a strong start but just kind of knowing the firepower they have on defense how do the hawks need to to counter i mean uh, especially if they get chris carson back you would love to see that running game get going it's been a you know really we talked about it was it was a half against pittsburgh was really the only time in the last you know few weeks at least that this running game has looked like it should um i'd love to see that get going but that being said we talked about this leading into the Jacksonville game. One thing I wanted to see, and then we saw was, look, you got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Those are your best weapons right now. Use them. And they did. And that really is what sparked that offense is getting the ball to those guys. So again, love to see Chris Carson back and would love to see him get going, but I don't want to be stubborn and, and run into a tough defense and heavy fronts. If, if you can get the ball out to your weapons. Yeah. And I'm also curious, <sighs> I, I don't know if it's going to happen this week or not, right? Because we don't really know the status of Chris Carson. We don't know D. Eskridge uh, until probably game day. I think that they want to see how these guys respond from having practice and, and bouncing back from that. But I'm curious how much more of the playbook opens up when these guys are on the field, like how many more options, how many more plays could they run that teams just haven't seen? They haven't put on film yet. For sure with that. I mean, I don't think a lot changes with Chris Carson other than you just, you you upgrade the position, but with Eskridge, I I think they're, you know, even though he's a rookie and has to learn and prove himself and all that, I think they were counting on him to kind of be a difference maker and some things that just other people don't do. He's just so fast, so explosive that look, we've seen him still, do some of the jet sweep stuff and do some different stuff with different guys, but it's just not quite the same. So yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe it's not right away. Maybe you ease him back in, but over the course of the next few weeks, I think you can open up some parts of this offense. We just haven't seen as much of. Yeah. Just uh, a reminder that D Eskridge is faster than any other wide receiver in that group. And Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are fast. But when you talk about that fly sweep, he does turn the corner at a different speed. And that is where the Seahawks have been bottled up, right? We have seen them call that play and it hasn't gone for big yards for the most part. And I think that D's speed as he's turning the corner is going to make a difference. Oh, for sure. And he did a ton of that in college. I mean, he said that that was kind of what he was kind of his specialty and it's not the speed obviously is a huge part of it but it's also just the feel for you know a lot of times that runner has a choice of where do you turn it up you know where do you hit the hole when when there's different guys out there and he's just got that really good feel for how to make that play work last thing before we wrap up and give the two things that we need to see for a seahawks win pete carroll has hammered third downs third downs offensively staying on the field, which I think quite honestly, that's going to be the easiest way to counter the Packers, right? Just don't give Aaron Rodgers the ball. The flip side of this, don't allow them to extend drives. I, I don't know if the question is how much better can they get? How much better do you want to see them or how close they are to having a more consistent effort? Because as I'm looking here, they are converting three of 10, three of 12, three of 12 on third downs. It's not even the percentage. It's the amount of time you're getting there and then just having to exit the field. I mean, that 
this has to change on offense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, look, you're counting on Russell Wilson to be part of making that change happen, but it can't just be on him. It's it's on, you know, the running game to, you know, early downs to get the yardage to make those third downs easier. It's on the play calling to to put them in better situations. It's, it's on everybody out there to make that happen. Um, and then on the defensive side of it, they don't necessarily need to be better. They've been really good the last, what, four or five games. They've been one of the best in the league on third down. It's again, I kind of made this point earlier. It's now show that you can do it against Aaron Rodgers. It's yeah. it's just different. Right. When it's you're not facing, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Like no, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is gonna be a great player, but he's a rookie who's who's you know doing it for the first time. Go do it against the Hall of Fame. And look, maybe you're not gonna hold him to two for twelve or whatever, but don't let him get up in that sixty percent range where they're just killing you with these long drives. Yeah, the Seahawks defense, it's been 35%. It was last uh, time out against Jacksonville, 35% against Pittsburgh. So you had Ben Roethlisberger that knew how to sling it around. But in both of those cases, you forced them into 14 third down situations. So, uh, you know, there is opportunity to get better at that one. And we know how long some of those drives are. I would say don't let Aaron Rodgers extend a drive. Um there, there's a lot of things that I would say against this team, but I'll tell you what, how about if you give me the two things that need to happen for a Seahawks win? First off, I want to see them stay turnover free on offense. They've been the best in the league. They, they only four turnovers. It's a league low. And we talked about the offenses struggled to get going in past green Bay games. A big issue in some of those games has been turning the ball over Russell Wilson, an all time great in terms of taking care of the football has thrown six interceptions at Lambeau field against three touchdowns. Grant, a lot of that came in one crazy game where things just got out of hand, but still take care of the football. That'll help your offense a lot. Other side of it, I want to see special teams make a game changing player too. We, we talked about this the other day. They have, the Packers have struggled a little bit on special teams. They've mixed some kicks and it's not all been on Mason Crosby. They've had some issues in the, the snaps and the holds, just the mechanics of it. They've allowed some big kick returns. They've muffed punts. So I, I don't care if it's a big kick return, if it's a, you know, a blocked punt. I don't, I don't care how you do it, but make a player two on special teams that can really flip the game. Dang it. You took one of mine. Sorry. I was going to say no turnovers because that Packers defense has been really good at getting takeaways and getting interceptions. The Packers are seven and zero this year when winning the turnover battle. The flip side of that is they've also given the ball away a lot. So I would say, Seahawks defense needs to come up with a takeaway, an interception, a force fumble, something along those lines. And since I have to pick something else for the offense, because you already stole mine, I'm going to say score 21 points. That would be more than the Packers are giving up. I think if you score 21 points and score a 10 of those early, um, <clears throat> I, I think that that's going to make a big difference in this one. And I think for both of us, make sure you pack your hand warmers. Yeah, although the press box will be a, press box will be a little warmer in the sideline, so I'll, I'll probably I, be okay. I, I don't need you. I, what I wanted was a little empathy and sympathy right there, John. Like right. you missed your moment. Well, you said both of us, and I'm just telling you, I probably am good. But I, you don't think it's going to be cold walking to dinner? I guess that's so. Yeah, there. Especially if we cross and that bridge. That, yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, you will hear all of our stories from Green Bay next week because that is the next time we will join you with the Seahawks Insiders podcast.